You're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest has been here before. Her name is Nicole Lappin, but she just released another book. If you are someone that runs from finance, money, all the things that make you scared in that arena, this is your girl. She just launched yet another book to help us become more financially fearless. Nicole is also an American television news anchor author, which you know I just talked about, and businesswoman, and she's also a dear friend, and the reason I even got to have a book. So there you go. Take a listen, and I hope you enjoy all of the nuggets she shares on this episode. Hi. Hi. It's nice to have you back on the podcast. It's so nice to be back. I wish I was there in person like I was last time. I know. It it makes for much better chemistry when you actually can be in front of the person that you're talking to, I found. I agree. And it was right after that that I actually got a superwoman tattoo, I think, and then I texted you. You, wait, what? Do you remember right after the show, I ended up getting a superwoman tattoo? It was after my last book, Becoming Superwoman, but also, hello, Superwoman. Oh my God. And then I, I love texted it. it to you and you were like, is this real? <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I love it. I it's love legit. it. Well, our our paths were meant to cross with your book and my podcast and everything else that we have in common. Yes. So many things. Yes. So for those of you tuning in, I interviewed Nicole. Oh my gosh. Many it's like weird that we're saying many years ago on her last book, but she said, you know what? I love writing books so much that I'm going to go back for more. I want to self-inflicted torture. I'm a masochist. (laughs) So I want to hear what the book is about, but you and I have shared a lot about how hard writing a book is, the torturousness nature of it. What made you go, okay, I'm going back? Every time I've launched a book, now this is my fourth, which is the first one of a seven- book deal, uh, I say I'm closed for business. I tell our mutual agent that I'm taking book birth control and that please tie my book tubes because I never want to see another book ever again. Uh, You know, writing a book, these are high-class problems. I'm so lucky to be able to do that. But it is fully a birth, like without an epidural. You've given birth to humans. I haven't. But other girlfriends have said, it's harder. And look, a lot of people say they have a book in them, and that very well could be. But writing a book is not a side hustle. It becomes a full-time hustle. And yes, every time I swore every which way, then kind of like I've heard from, you know, mothers, actual human babies, you forget the pain, you see how cute it is. You're like, let's do this again. (laughs) And that's what happened over the pandemic. I I was still promoting my last book when shutdown happened, and then it became, you know, health and wealth were the most important things. And I felt like this was a really important time to take all the financial advice I had given in Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch and take it up a notch and actually break down how to build wealth in real English. And it really pissed me off that There's one really popular book that's for women on growing wealth written by a dude. And I was like, I I was just mad. I felt like I was being mansplained to and with a shrink it and pink it mentality. And 
I want it. I'm most proud of this book, truly, truly, because it deals with the most advanced concepts of building wealth in plain English, jargon free. Thank God for that, because I feel like it's still a complicated subject, even. Yeah, I think even though I claim to know a little bit more uh, than maybe people who aren't in business at this point, I still am like, wait, say that again? Can you explain this to me like I'm three? Because all of it's like a bunch of jargon that is intended, I think, to keep people out of it. But once you learn what that person was trying to say and spoken to you like you're three, you're like, oh, yeah, duh. That's not that complicated. Right? I hope so. I'm going to read your book and I'm going to find out when I get my hands on a copy. Yes, please. Yeah, I I think that like it is a language like anything else. If you went to Japan and you didn't speak Japanese, you'd be really confused. If you went to Wall Street and you didn't speak the language of money, you'd be really confused. But then once you speak it, then you are empowered. You can understand what people are saying and you can use it to your advantage. We're so often customers of the system. And I think it's really important to change our mindsets to be owners. Like compound interest, a lot of people know about from getting screwed by credit card debt. But you can actually use the same force to your advantage and make your money work for you while you're sleeping, which is what I figured out how to do totally in the school of hard knocks. Like I grew up in an immigrant family, super messed up, broken home. Like I figured out how to do all this stuff on my own, uh, make money, grow money. And if I could do it truly, truly, I know this is cliche and I'm generally allergic, as you know, to cliches, but anyone can do it. So what would you say are some of the topics you discuss in the book that most women are backed off from or scared scared about that they can be like, all right, this isn't so bad. I think I could figure out how to understand this. I think that no one has ever said to me, I am so glad I didn't start investing earlier, right? People sometimes say that they're upset they invested in something that went down or they're upset they didn't put enough in something that went up. But nobody's like, I'm so glad I didn't invest in my 20s. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't invest earlier, said no one ever. Uh, I think right now what we're seeing with all of the macroeconomic craziness and inflation and supply chain issues, and obviously they're connected because inflation happens when there's not a lot of supply and then we've seen a ton of demand. And so inflation is like 6%. So you see these headlines. And first of all, the only thing you can control is yourself in life, in finances, everywhere. But also the only way to protect yourself against this stuff is to actually make your money work for you. And you have worked really, really hard for your money. So it's time it returned the favor. And you can set up a system and really set it and forget it where you're making more than inflation because that's the baseline, right? If you put your money in a bank account right now, it's making nothing, bubkiss. And if you are, you know, in an environment like we will be, I think, at the end of the year, like to normal inflation around 3%, you need to make at least that to keep up with inflation. So I like to talk about index funds and chilling. And I get a lot of, this is the kind of DM slip I get, like not the fun, sexy kind, but financial kinds. And people are like, should I invest in Zoom? Should I invest in Peloton? What should I, where should I put my money? I'm like, no, index funds and chill. Warren Buffett literally, Rebecca put this in his will for his wife to put a majority of their money into low-cost S&P 500 index funds. 
one of the greatest investors of our time. And so I don't think it needs to be fun and sexy. Like, growing your money doesn't need to be, like, the latest and greatest thing or, you know, exotic and whatnot. It just needs to start. And the earlier, the better. You don't actually need a lot of money to make a lot of money. You need the most time possible. So as far as I'm concerned, today is as good a day as any. So why do you think it is that women, I guess, historically have been scared about money or scared to invest or constantly negate themselves when it comes to investing? I wish I had all the answers, but I think there is such a pain point around women thinking a dude is going to figure this out. And if you've never thought that, you're a better woman than I am uh, because we've been socialized to think this. Even studies have shown young kids, boys associate power-type words with money and Girls associate shame or scarcity words with money. And so we think that guys have some magical power when it comes to managing money. They don't. And we tell ourselves a lot of stories around this. We tell ourselves, like, I don't know math. Well, bullshit. Oh, can I say bullshit? Well, BS. Yes, you can say bullshit. (laughs) It is bullshit. Thank you. It is bullshit because the math a fifth grader can do, it's all the All the stories that you're telling yourself about why you can't do it, that's what's standing in your way. And guys don't know much more than than women. And people that are in Wall Street, once I got into this world, I thought it was some fancy club. Once I got in, I was like, these people on the inside don't know a lot more than the people outside on the curb, even though we think they do. Uh, Again, it, it is a language that we just didn't learn. So it's time to learn it. I like to give a combination of forgiveness for our former selves for what she didn't know, but also tough love moving forward because now that you know more, like, it's not an excuse. You didn't learn it in school. Your parents didn't teach you. Whatever. Put your big girl pants on and, you know, give yourself tough love moving forward because it's not okay once you do know more. So where do, where do people start? I mean, I guess you could say start reading all of your books as a start. <laughs> That is, it would be a good start. Um, I think the first step to any recovery is admitting you have a problem and letting your problems speak. I know this sounds woo-woo, but mindset has a lot to do with money. And the only problems you can't fix in life, and especially with money, are the ones you don't admit you have. So figure out what that is and also figure out what exactly you want, like exactly, exactly what you want. And then goals have price tags. So reverse engineer to figure out how to get the money to live that life. Because when people are like, yeah, cool, I just want a million dollars. Great. Who doesn't want a million dollars? But maybe you need more than a million dollars. Maybe you need less than a million dollars. I have no idea. First, figure out what that life is that you want and then get the money for that because this whole like women can't have it all. Yeah, we can't do it all, but I think we can absolutely have it all, but only if we define what it all means clearly and stop moving the goalposts on ourselves. So as far as taking those first steps, which you've just outlined, um, what do you think some of the hurdles can be in you know, you try and get a handle on this, it becomes overwhelming, or you lose money. And then you're like, see, I never should have done this. Yeah, but did you lose money? The most important days of investing are the day you put money in and then the day you take money out. All the rest is noise. So when people are like, I lost so much money in the market, did you really lose money? Or are these paper losses? So I think it's 
important to not mourn paper losses and to not be a trader, be a long-term investor. And there's a huge difference. And we've seen this proliferation of the democratization of, you know, investing and trading with a lot of these different apps. Being a day trader, unless that's what you want to do, is not at all what I would recommend to build long-term wealth. Like, put money in with the dollar-cost average mentality, which basically means, like, if you, for easy math, have $12,000, instead of putting all your money in, index funds one day, just space it out $1,000 every month. So then you're hedging against the ups and downs. But then otherwise, put your blinders on and don't look. That's what markets do. Markets go up, markets go down. It's like a roller coaster. You don't get off the roller coaster in the middle of it. Well, hopefully you don't. Right. So, okay. So we're not going to day trade. You're, You're really saying invest in index funds and leave your money there. Like, you got to let it sit for many years for you to see a return, right? I mean, ideally, you'll keep everything sitting at least a year so you're not paying short-term capital gains tax. So short-term cap gains, if you hear that being thrown around, you don't know what that means. That means if you sell something before a year is over. And then that's taxed at ordinary income, so how your normal salary would be taxed. Then if you keep it for longer than a year, you don't pay that. Um And so I think you can determine what your risk tolerance is. So in Miss Independent, it goes from least risky to most risky types of assets. So if you really can't stomach risk and you're just not going to be able to sleep at night, then don't get cryptocurrency or don't, you know, buy derivatives or like exotic stuff. Uh, If you can, great, you know, do your research for that. But if you can't, like... That's not you. You should know that your sleep and your sanity are more important than a lot of these gains. And there are other options. So you can even start with baby steps like CDs at a bank or bonds or treasuries, which are bonds from the government. Um, Or you can get treasuries that are just inflation protected because we're talking a lot about inflation right now, which are just called tips, which I used to think was an actual tip. Um, I have a story in the book about my financial advisor telling me about tips that I thought she was asking me to give her, like, cash. Um, But it's not. It's, you know, treasury inflation-protected securities. There's different things that you can do with lower risk if that's not your jam. But if you do have a lot of time to play with, you can take more risk. And in fact, I think you should. So you just covered a lot of things, a lot of words that I've never heard before, but I'm going to assume that you explain them all in your book. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. And I rewrote a dictionary like a super nerd. This is why I was single for so long, because I rewrite financial dictionaries in the back of my books that you don't need a dictionary to understand. I'm glad you did that because I have toyed with the idea of publishing a dictionary, not just the financial terms, but tech terms and all the things yeah. when you like, go and I was like, this needs there needs to be a dictionary for women to like easily be able to look it up. So I'm yes. glad you wrote this dictionary. Is it in the book? It is. Yeah. And so in the back of Rich Bitch, I have a personal finance dictionary. In the back of Boss Bitch, I have like business terms and acronyms. And then in the back of Miss Independent, um, all of the investing terms that you need to know that sound, you know, like other acronyms you know, they almost sound like STDs if you wouldn't know what they are. But every industry, as you note, you know, has their own acronyms. And it's not stupid to ask what they are. 
Um, it's, again, a language. Like, short is not the opposite of tall in investing. It's the opposite of long. And it just means something's going in the pooper. Like, that's all it really is when you hear GameStop was shorted or shorting the housing market. It means people bet it was going to go down. That's it. And you figured out harder things than this type of stuff. And it's okay. Like, you didn't speak this before. Uh, so, you know, at different times in your financial journey, you'll have questions about different types of terms or acronyms along the way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So one of the questions, I don't know if you get this often, but, you know, a woman having this knowledge is very powerful and it changes, you know, fundamentally how she's treated. What have you encountered when a man just thinks you're a pretty face and then you open your mouth and you're you're able to go toe to toe? Has it made things easier? Has it made things harder? You know, in the dating context or in the work context? Let's tackle both. <laughs> <laughs> Let's tackle them. Um, it's funny. Uh, in So money will give you a lot of power. And I think money without meaning is just paper. So figure out what kind of meaning you want to derive from it. But leaving a crappy relationship or a crappy job, you know, because you have the money and that means freedom to do so. I think that is the goal, to have your own back, to have your own FU money, no matter what happens. So in a dating context, I remember going out with this one guy to drinks, and he thought he was, like, being clever and cute and, you know, asking me what he should do with his money and then getting into it. And I sort of gave him my advice. And he called his financial advisor, and he was like, this girl told me to do these things. And the guy was like, dude, I told you to do this for years now, and you have to have this chick tell you? But now you listen? I was like, whatever. The ends justify the means. Like, if you want to get your finances together, great. But yeah, I I mean, I love, like, calling Wall Street douchebags out on their <laughs> on their jargon. It's one of my most favorite sports. Um, and maybe the only cardio I get. But, uh, you know, in a in a work context, I think that, you know, a lot of the people that would appear on my shows on Bloomberg or CNBC when I would anchor shows uh, talking to old rich white dudes about money, you know, a lot of them didn't know what some of the other sectors were talking about. So not everybody in finance knows 
all of the things. Like, bond people don't know about what equity people or stock people are doing necessarily because it becomes a whole other language. And I think the most shame comes from people in financial services who think they should know this stuff, but they don't. Uh, I've spoken to, you know, some big banks, uh, customer service teams, where I would talk to them about basic finance because they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm more scared now to ask about this because it's sort of like the shoemaker walks barefoot and like, you know, it becomes a whole other layer. But there are questions across the board. I'd even have CEOs of publicly traded companies come on my show and at the time they'd say, what's QE2? It sounds like the Queen Mary or the, you know, some sort of ship. And I was like, no, dude, it's just a bond buyback program. And he's like, oh, okay, no big deal. I, I understand what that concept means. But again, everything has some other jargony term. Yeah, there's so much jargon. It can be so overwhelming. So overwhelming. And I think the only way to tackle overwhelming stuff is to break it down into baby steps, which I love and make little 12-step plans for all my books. So wait, so your book has a 12-step plan? Yeah, all of my books are 12-step plans uh, because the first step to any recovery is admitting you have a problem. And the only ones we can't fix are the ones we don't admit we have. And in, you know, other 12-step recovery programs, uh, there's a saying that you're only as sick as your secrets. And so we keep a lot of shame and secrecy around this stuff. I think the last taboo we have is money. Uh, you know, we'll talk very easily about sexy time and politics and bikini waxes, like with our girlfriends, right? No big deal. And then money comes up and it becomes awkward. And so my philosophy has always been, like, I'll go first. I'll show you mine if you show me yours, or you don't even need to show me yours. Show yourself yours. But somebody has to go first, I think, with hard things. Yeah. So if one of my listeners is sitting here going, all right, I don't want to be a money expert. I want to know a little, but like this is, I'm not going to be able to sit in those rooms and have those conversations, but I'd like to make more than I'm making right now with inflation. Where would you recommend they start? So I would recommend you start um, with breaking down what I break down in Rich Bitch are the three E's, the essentials, end game, and extras, where 70% of your overall spending plan, and I like to think of it as a spending plan instead of a budget because it's like an eating plan where you allow yourself small indulgences so you don't end up binging later on, uh, goes to the essentials. So your food, your housing, your transportation. 15% goes to the extras. So a latte, mani-pedi, you know, whatever fun stuff. And allow yourself fun stuff or you're not going to stick to it. And then 15% to the end game, which is your future self. So you're saving your investing, all of that. And then with Miss Independent, I double-click on that last E, the end game, and say, okay, well, here's how to do that. Here's how to make your money work for you while you're sleeping and harness this beautiful, glorious power of compound interest, which Einstein calls the eighth wonder of the world. You know, it's, it's amazing. Your money actually makes you money while you're doing nothing. So it's not about sitting and watching stock charts all day long. Like, I don't do that. I don't think any normal person should do that. If you want to be a day trader, like I said, do that. But you don't need to get, like, in the weeds. You don't need to re read the Wall Street Journal every day. You just need to put your money to work for you. Like, having all of your money, which a lot of women do, in a checking account or a savings account 
is not great. You know, you want to have your emergency fund accessible, but if it's just sitting there, it's not earning anything for you. So the first step, like you can take baby steps out of the savings account or out of the checking account into, you know, other options to give you more interest uh, over time, like more and more risky. I, I sort of break down how much you'll make over time, like this time value of money concept with different types of interest rates and different years. So you don't need to start with a lot. Like if you feel like you can't put any money into investing, start with $100. Like $100, I have an example of how that can create a million dollars over time. So the more you put in, the better, but you don't need a lot. You you really just need to optimize for time. So that means start like yesterday. You know, not to sound trite, but I started investing with 20 bucks. That's all I had. That's all I could do, you know, and I put it into an account and I just didn't look. And then one day I looked and I was like, oh, that compound interest actually did something. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. You should be on the cover. That's exactly that. Yes, that's Miss Independent, a hundred percent. And then what happened? Then I bought a house with that money. So stop. Yeah, I mean, with the twenty dollars. No, I mean, I had to keep adding to it, and as I made more money, I would add more money to it. But I just, you know, at first, twenty bucks was all I had. Right, but that account became like grew into enough for a down payment. That's awesome. Yeah, I, you know. I, I made it a priority that whenever I had anything, just anything I could find under the sun, I'd scrape it away and put it in that account. So you never know what what that can do for you. Baby steps to the finish line. There you go. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about the book or where is it available? All the, all the details. All the places books are sold. And it's out February 1st. So it's time to be Miss Independent. Okay, so February 1st, wherever books are sold... And what else are you working on or where else can people tune into you? I have a daily show on iHeart or wherever you get your podcasts called Money Rehab with Nicole Lappin. And that's where I rehab your money issues and have interventions with people come on the show and tell me their issues. And I work through them. So I want to hear a story. Like, tell me a good money rehab story. Oh my gosh. I told a woman to cancel her wedding. This was, I mean, you know me. I just don't have a filter and I don't lie because I forget the lies. And so I just like, I, she had so much debt and so many issues and she was saving up for a wedding. And like, I, I'm not the fun police. But also, she didn't need to do the type of wedding that she need. She was thinking she did. And so I told her, like, my advice to you is don't have a wedding right now. I know. Wow. Did she cancel it? She scaled the wedding way, way back. And she wanted to buy a house, but she lived on a military base with her husband. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. And that's the issue. You know, a lot of the things we've been told or we think are good financial truisms don't necessarily apply to everyone. So we've been told don't buy a latte. And that's fine if you don't like a latte. But if you do, that's terrible financial advice. Like not buying a latte is not going to get you the house that you started $20 in an investment or brokerage account, right? Like get your latte, invest in the market, 
you know, buy a house if you want to buy a house or make sense for you or if you're not moving around like a lot of young people are. And, you know, I don't think that that's the end all be all. So I think it's really important to rethink conventional financial wisdom and think for yourself. Like at the end of each step of all of my books, I rethink conventional wisdom of what we've been told constantly. And I think it's really important to just think for yourself and maybe what you've been told and maybe these, you know, truisms, I'm using bunny ears, are true for you, but maybe they're not. It's like, you know, when I became vegetarian, I was 11 and my family ate meat, like a lot of families. And I said, self, do I like meat? And the answer was no. But the answer could have been yes. But it's important to like just question it for yourself. Right? Yeah. I had a great talk with Rachel Rogers and she was like, why should we be told, you know, if you want to make money, then don't get your hair done. Don't get your nails done. Don't go do the things you enjoy. Basically like punish yourself in order to like have a bigger bank account. And she was saying the same thing you said that you should be able to have both. Yes. That's why you work so hard. You can't like live in the fetal position, stocking up on water and thinking like zombie apocalypse is going to happen. No, you have to enjoy your life, but you have to do it responsibly and organized. Like, and you don't need to reorganize it all the time. You just need to do it a couple times a year. That's it. Totally. Well, you're the best. I'm so happy we got to catch up. Me too. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.